Don't you just love it when you can confidently say that someone has your back? Hi, Dave Lee here, and that's the feeling I have with UCARE. Anytime I call them up with a Medicare question, I know without a doubt that a real person will answer, and they will work through my issues no matter how long it takes, and they won't hang up until I completely understand what's going on. Their people and customer service are second to none, and it's why UCARE has people-powered health plans. Don't hesitate to reach out to UCARE for help. Learn more at UCARE.org slash Medicare. This paid endorsement brought to you by UCARE. Today on my first concert. You play piano, right? I said, yeah. I said, our piano player is sick. And uh, <laughs> can can you fill in for the rehearsal? And I said, okay. <laughs> and it was the kind of thing that the rhythm section was sitting right under the podium. Yeah. And I'm scared to death, you know. <laughs> but I'm going, okay, but they didn't hire me for playing. Yeah, I'll just go and do my thing, whatever. And there were some jazz charts that Doc brought from the Tonight Show, and you know, were, was fairly accessible for my playing, and and I played. And then he comes to me after the rehearsal and says, "Now, can you do the concerts too?" And I said, <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, from the AquariusHomeServices.com studios. Dave and Davide here with you today on my first concert with a very special guest, Adi Yashaya. And if you know music, you know that name. Arranger, composer, uh, jazz penis, by the way, and talented person who's worked with some greats. And we're going to chat with him today here in just a minute. Thanks to our friends over at the Minnesota Propane Association for making this possible. From UCARE, thank you, and Chanhassen Dinner Theaters, one of our great sponsors, and StarBank.net, along with AquariusHomeServices.com. Adi, thanks for coming over. Great to see you. Thanks for having me. Well, you've, you've done so many things. you worked with uh, Prince, obviously, Whitney Houston, Lena Horne, on it, Aretha Franklin, for Pete's sake. But what was the first concert you ever attended? Do you recall? Or among the first? You know, I, I grew up in Israel, so I saw a lot of different uh, local celebrities. But the first time I saw um, American guests, my parents started getting a hunch that I'm interested in jazz and the Preservation Hall. Um, I can't remember the name of that group. The, that's what I remember. The Preservation Hall, it was kind of a Dixieland group, played in a huge stadium in Tel Aviv, and I went there. And shortly after, there was a concert by the, at the time, they were called the Gen, Jazz Giants. So it was uh, Dizzy Gillespie, Thelonious Monk, and others that I can't even wow. remember. I was really young. I was 11 at the time. And uh, so that was my introduction to, to that. When I was uh, going to concerts on my own later on, I got to see... Um, Astro Gilberto, which uh, I was a, hu a huge fan of Brazilian music. And I also played organ at the time, so I went to see Jimmy Smith. So these are my eclectic... <laughs> yeah, and then you start thinking back yeah. about those. Were, yeah. did, were your parents musical, or did they just know that you were and decided to I was. Um, none of my um, family members were musicians, but, uh, you know... Everybody was a music lover. So. Yeah, yeah. And and what was it inspired you then to to follow this career path? What you know what? Uh, interestingly enough, 
Jazz is something that came a lot later and it wasn't even something I understood or... I remember that I was really young, I was nine years old and um, both my brothers played accordion and the accordion was set on the sofa one day and I started moving in, moving it and making sounds and stuff and my brother caught that and he goes, oh, let me just teach you a song and he taught me a song and I started taking lessons and for the following two years, I was seriously in trouble because I memorized everything, so I didn't read. And oh, sure. m- my teacher was always complaining to my parents, he doesn't practice, he doesn't this, but then he plays it by, by ear. He plays it wrong, but he plays it by <laughs> ear. I had the and, same dilemma. Yeah, and my parents were like, you know, if you don't want do to take it serious, you don't have to take lessons, you know, let's stop. And then I went to a wedding, and I saw for the first time in my life, organ. Mm. Like, that's what I want. <laughs> so, nice. you know, my parents were really supportive. They bought me an organ and I started taking lessons. And next thing I find myself is playing in a band and, and uh, discovering jazz organ like Jimmy Smith, as I said. Yeah. So um, arranging arrived from there because I discovered for the, rest, uh, for the first time somebody came to work with, with our band in high school. And, um, you know, took kind of a tally of what players are available. And we had a couple of horns and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we set up a rehearsal and he came with sheets of music. I didn't know what it was. We started playing. And for the first time, I'm going, what just happened here? <laughs> you know, yeah. what is this that you do? And he says, this is arranging. I'm going, okay, I got it. <laughs> yeah, and the rest has been history. Yeah, you know, then. Wow. But, and you continue to play and obviously arrange. And for people like uh, Prince, who only had two uh, arrangers, I think, in his career, right? Weren't we talking about that, David? Yeah, and, and I, I thought so. I was Claire Fisher, right? Yeah. And I mean, you. <laughs> well, what happened was, you know, I moved here in 1988. I knew that this town was really about Prince, but I didn't know the music mm-hmm. i was totally into jazz and orchestral music and all my friends who played in my big band mentioned this all the time and i had players that were playing with prince and my connection to this was they would su- send subs in the last minute because they they got called to the studio so <laughs> yeah um, as he did yeah infamously yeah and uh so we had kind of a parallel paths i only later on I realized, how did I miss this whole thing? Because the, musically, that was everything here. But I was so fortunate that uh, Mike Nelson basically forwarded to me a text he got from Prince after Claire Fisher passed away. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, Mike, do you know anybody that can uh, arrange strings and and uh, continue the Claire Fisher legacy and stuff and and I'm getting this text and I'm going why why is sending this to me he says because I think you should do it I said Mike you're talking about Claire Fisher you realize that he <laughs> says yeah I think you can do it and that's how it started and um, my first couple attempts were were to be Claire Fisher and then I realized, you know, Prince wanted somebody creative to do what they, you know, what they do. And 
It was really supportive. Unfortunately, it was really late in the game. You know, it was in 2013 and at best in 2016. So. Yeah. Well, I do want to take a break and we'll come back. I do want to ask you about that experience of working with him, okay. especially as in, in your position, which is a pretty powerful position with Prince. He is Adi Yeshaya. He is our guest. He's a composer, a ranger, a jazz pianist. He's worked with some of the best, whether it be Aretha or even with our own Minnesota Orchestra and our buddy Doc Severinsen, a lot of people. So we'll talk about that some more. I do want to talk about something very important for all of us, and that's something that's clean, it's affordable, it's reliable, that's energy. And these are all the things that people want for their homes and businesses. And the one source of energy in Minnesota that can offer all these benefits is propane. It's clean. Propane produces 43% fewer emissions than the equivalent amount of electricity generated from the U.S. grid. Now, that's something to think about. It's very affordable, according to the U.S. Department of Energy. Propane costs approximately 30% less than electricity in this country. The savings can be even higher in Minnesota. And it's reliable. Propane is energy stored on site, independent of the grid, and propane can power your home or business anytime you need it. Energy-wise, well, it's a direct energy source used at your home or business, unlike electricity, which is actually produced somewhere away from your home. And so by the time electricity gets to your home, 66% of that energy used to produce it is lost already. That is why propane is approximately three times more efficient than electricity. Something to think about, something to read about, propane, the right energy right now. And our thanks to the Minnesota Propane Association for uh, presenting this announcement to us. I would say get more information. There's a lot to learn about it. And what propane can do for you and the environment, just go to propane.com. Nice and easy. Adi Ishaya is with us. As we mentioned, he was a ranger for Prince, one of only two that did that for Prince. So you get the, the job, Adi, and, and, and it was, as you said, short-lived because of uh, he passed away three years later. But what was it like to work with Prince? I mean, did he just say, here's my vision, uh, here's what I'm thinking? I, or? I never worked directly with Prince. Okay. Uh, Mike Nelson produced the recording sessions. He knew he knew exactly what Prince will, was uh, gravitating towards. So we did a lot of guessing, but Mike was the guy that really had the sound. So he, he was directing me. And so there was some back and forth between the two of us uh, until he felt like, okay, this is it. Let's go and record. Um, Prince was present in couple sessions and uh, I got to meet him kind of by default, but uh, uh, didn't really have direct conversations with him. He just, you know, we were in the same room and he said a lot of things. He took a lot of joy from uh, watching the strings. And Mike told me after that he never attended any of the string sessions because he would send the stuff to Claire Fisher in LA and, you know, he would get it back. But now he was there and, and he was present. So he got so excited about, about the process. And it happened exactly when the Minnesota Orchestra was on strike so we could get all the best musicians. Oh, and sure, it, yeah. And, it, and he was really um, vocal about the management of the orchestra and, and how he could help employing these people. So he wanted to have more of that. And it was really interesting. Wow. Yeah, well, that's a great piece of Minnesota music history. And then, as long as you mentioned the Minnesota Orchestra, and I remember that strike, trying to get that yeah. settled, and it went on and on. So, um, But I had a friend that would come and appear with him by the name of Doc Severinsen. I got yeah. to know Doc very well. I know that you worked with the Minnesota Orchestra and with Doc, didn't you? I did. And, you know, 
everything you know everything that happens happens because of circumstances and stuff nothing is planned you know right yeah um after living here for three years with having nothing going i started my big band at uh it was in uh, in 1991 or something like that and we had debbie duncan singing with us and uh, lowell pickett basically opened the door at the dakota we that was the old dakota in saint paul we had this weekly uh sunday matinees there and um, a lot of people came to see us we had such great following and return you know um, audience and stuff and one day i get a call from a guy named uh, uh, paul gunther that was the librarian of the Minnesota Orchestra. And he says, hey, I, I come to see your big band. I really love your band. I really like your writing and stuff. Say, do you, I, I know that you write jazz, but do you write uh, for orchestra? I said, yeah. Well, I'll tell you why I'm calling. Um, Doc Severinsen is, um, is the um, new pops conductor. And uh, in the next concert... He wants to feature Danny Green, the the coach of the Vikings, because he plays drums. He wants to feature him on the number. So he wants to take a simple jazz jazz number that has some room for drums and um, and have the orchestra playing, basically. So can you write jazz for orchestra? I said, yeah. So he picked uh, the tune cute, which is like uh, trades between band and drums, you know. So... I did that arrangement, and I asked permission to come and, and be present in the rehearsal. And that was such a prize, you know, to go and see the rehearsal in Minnesota or- with the Minnesota Orchestra playing my music. It was incredible. And I go, and I wait, and nothing is going, and uh, they're not playing, and I'm going, <laughs> what's going on? Um, suddenly, this um, lady comes to me. Her name was Julie Haight, and she was the um, HR uh, person at the Minnesota Orchestra. And she says, you're Adi, right? I said, yeah. You play piano, right? I said, yeah. I said, our piano player is sick, and uh, <laughs> can, can you fill in for the rehearsal? And I said, okay. <laughs> and it was the kind of thing that the rhythm section was sitting right under the podium. Yeah. And I'm scared to death, you know. <laughs> but I'm going, okay, but they didn't hire me for playing. Yeah, I'll just go and do my thing, whatever. And there were some jazz charts that Doc brought from the Tonight Show. And, you know, it was fairly accessible for my playing. And, and I played. And then he comes to me after the rehearsal and says, now, can you do the concerts too? And I said, <laughs> Yeah, I can do the concerts. <laughs> you know, and that started the whole relationship for the following 18 years, you know, with Doc and myself and with the orchestra, and uh, and it was beautiful, you know. What a, he, he's a great guy, really. He's a great guy. guy. And, and I, I may have been, they'd let me come to rehearsals sometimes. Yeah. And I'd sit in the back, I'd come in by myself, sit in the back, obviously, yeah. and just listen. Um, but that uh, that that would have been, that's just a great guy to, to hook up oh, with because yeah. his love of music and jazz and, and yours must have yeah, just he, hit it off. He was the real thing, you know. My favorite sessions were too, like uh, strings sessions. Even if, if I 
if I happen to do one, those are one of my favorite sessions. But I saw one, I believe it was you that arranged or rearranged a string sessions for um, when Prince passed away, Paul Peterson did uh, another rendition of Nothing Compares to You. Did you do that no, rearrangement? You know oh. No, you know what he did? He took just the strings from the Claire Fisher okay. arrangement and performed it only, only with the strings, and it was the most haunting performance. Unbelievable. It was so much better than the original yeah. because it was so raw. You know, everything was... But did you produce that session? No, oh. he actually, he, he called me and I said, okay. you know, call Rebecca, let her book the session. You don't need me. I mean, yeah. you know. That, that was one of the yeah most beautiful sessions i, oh, I ever yeah. happened to witness in these studios here and it's like and it's just a sound oh it was beautiful strings is just like wow yeah because we record these in uh, creations audio here in the south yeah. side of minneapolis and there's a great history yeah. to this building and there's another example of that Adi Yashaya is our guest. We're going to talk some more here in just a minute. Uh, I want to talk about another local singer, Dennis Spears, uh, Aretha Franklin, Lena Horne. There's a lot of great stories here from this talented uh, composer, arranger, and is, uh, you found out a pretty good jazz penis, too, thanks to Doc Severinsen for making him come to the rehearsal or that day, or Julie. Yeah. Uh, our show is being brought to you by AquariusHomeServices.com. You know, this is a time you want to navigate the cold and flu season, right, with a, a breath of clean, purified air. Aquarius Home Services is your trusted ally in enhancing indoor air quality this season. And I know that because I suffer from allergies and I had them do this at my home. Take advantage of a very special offer, by the way, right now of $400 off a whole home air purification system. And it's made a difference for me. So if you find yourself battling allergies, coughing, or congestion, now is really the perfect time to explore the in-home air quality system. Say goodbye to the troublesome contaminants uh, like dust or pollen or what, dander, bacteria, smoke, uh, dust mites, a lot of stuff that I don't even like to talk about. But And, and get back in the, the healthiness of an improved indoor environment. Uh, and I wouldn't wait on it because you can experience the difference this cold and flu season with Aquarius exclusive offer for $400 off a whole home air purification system. Like I said, I have this in my home. It's been a difference maker for me. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended, and they will. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. Adi Yashai is with us here on My First Concert. Dave, along with Davide, great to have you with. You can download this at Apple, at Spotify, or at TalkNorth.com, wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to have you subscribe and be a part of this. We've had some great guests, uh, Minnesota Music. We've been exploring that a lot uh, lately, and this is another great example with Adi here, who's a great composer, arranger, uh, and musician as well. Uh, we talked a bit about Prince, talked a bit about Doc. Um, I want to ask you about a guy that a lot of us have heard in this area, and I've had a chance to meet Dennis a few times. Dennis Spears, yeah. so talented. But there's an interesting story with Dennis, you, and Lena Horn. Yeah, uh, well, you know, in uh, 1994, Dennis uh, got... Uh, somebody to support him and uh, invest in putting a really good album together. Um, I'm going to go back a few years um, to make that connection. I had some great teachers in my life. One of them was a gentleman by the name of Bob Friedman. Uh, Bob was uh, my arranging teacher at Berkeley, 
And his history is incredible. I mean, he started in the 50s writing for Maynard Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1978, he got the Ranger of the Year Grammy uh, for writing the overture of The Wiz for Quincy Jones. Uh, uh, later on, some, some of the mm-hmm. highlights like um, Winton Marcellus, Hot House Flowers and stuff. But he retired from Berkeley in the early 90s. And going back to Dennis, Dennis approached me about doing this album and I got really excited. And he says, yeah, and I have backing, so I want to have orchestra and I want to have a big band and I want to have a kind of a percussion thing with... So he sends all these details that sound like, okay, I'm going to be a kid in a candy store, but I really need somebody to direct traffic there. I don't want to be responsible for all of this. And I already had uh, contact with Bob uh, because I asked him to write something for my big band. And I called Bob and told him about this. I said, uh, he asked me to do the arrangements, but I would really like you to produce it. And he agreed to do it. He came to Minneapolis. We had these meetings. But, you know, Dennis was singing uh, a lot of what we call covers. I mean, standard tunes. Mm -hmm. And Bob asked me at some point, do you know anybody that writes good original material? I said, yeah, I do have a friend that is really good. I'll ask her to send some stuff. Marisa Dodge, Misty, our good friend. Um, Misty sent some material, and we listened to some some of this. uh, And then we get to a tune called Black Is. And Bob listens to Black Ears and he goes, oh, wow, we're definitely recording this. So we made, you know, the plan for the session and uh, decided to record Black Ears. And then after the initial meeting, Bob gets me, takes me aside and says, uh, you know, I just have to say that I didn't want to mention that before, but uh, if Lena gets a hold of this tune, she's going to record it. She's going to snatch this tune. This is one of the better (laughs) tunes. And I said, wow. And he says, the connection was that at some point, not at some point, but for many years, Bob was uh, Lena Horne's musical director. Mm -hmm. So he had the connection there. Um, And he says, you know, it doesn't mean that they're going to involve you in this, but I'm I'm just freaked out by the song. And I said, wow, that's incredible. And we forgot all about that. And months later, I get a call from Sherman Sneed, uh, Lena Horne's manager, and tells me that Bob sent him the song, and she heard the song, she really loved it and wants to record it, and she wants to record that arrangement. Hmm. And I said, wow, that's, that's really amazing. Yeah, special. And uh, I had to rewrite it because she sang it in a different key, but she wanted the bulk of of that that arrangement. So that's the Lena Horn connection. Um, the album was supposed to be produced by Jeremy Labak, who conducted the rest of the stuff. So he actually got to conduct my my arrangement. One incredible, you know, arranger, composer, if you ever hear this name, you you're <laughs> you're gonna see some greatness. Anyway, um, something happened with with the production there and they just tossed the CD. They didn't, and Jeremy was out and the CD was basically tossed aside. Shelved. And, hmm. Yeah. 
Wow. So that never made it for, didn't make it at the time. <laughs> 10 years later, 2005, I get a call, somebody uh, from uh, Blue Note Records, and says, uh, were you involved in uh, such and such? I said, yeah. Can you give me um, who else was involved? And, and that's because we want to put it now in a compilation. Hmm. <laughs> so they created a compilation that they called uh, Seasons of a Life. And that was the first tune on that record. Wow. So somehow, that's yeah, why full I'm, circle, I said shelved you know? until, yeah. oh, we can use this for yeah. this. And, and all of a sudden, that's you, how you just don't know. Yeah. Record labels used to work like that. Yeah. You know, so anyway. So, <laughs> so back to that session. The funny thing about that session, I, I remember the date and everything. That was 20, 25th of June, 1995. New York, it's hot. Lena can't see Jeremy. And she needs cues because it wasn't, uh, it wasn't tempo. It was a freer kind of tempo at some point. So she needed to see the cues. And... Jeremy asked me, can you do me a favor? Can you go in the booth with her and just pass my information to her so she can enter? The, and and I did that. And this is June. She was with a um, heater in, in the booth. Oh. <laughs> so it was so hot there. Oh, God. Yeah. Space heater. So... <laughs> So I'm I'm queuing his, <laughs> you know, but since they tossed that whole thing, she never came back to re-sing it. So it's actually the initial session that oh, wow. made it to the CD. Yeah, man. Wow. And little did you think back in the days when you're messing with that accordion that someday you'd be working with some of the oh, great producers, singers, talents, and another one of those is Aretha Franklin. Uh, and uh, I'm going to come back in just a minute and ask Audie about that because he's had an amazing career, continues as well, and we'll talk a little bit more about that and some other things with Adi Yeshaya, uh, composer, arranger, uh, musician, and he's worked with the best. Excuse me, speaking of the best, uh, we are blessed with a guy named Michael Brindisi out of Chanhassen Dinner Theaters who is the creative director. Uh, Michael, right now, on their main stage, uh, they're doing Jersey Boys. And if you like music, this is this is a home run for you to get out there. And if you read the reviews of this, every one of them has been uh, sparkling. And it's really the story of Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons, but it's it's more than that. If you've ever sang in a group, if you've ever sang a cappella like uh, Michael did back in his uh, younger teenage days, singing below those streetlights of Philadelphia, this is a passion uh, that he's always wanted to do, and man, has he done it right. So... If you're looking for some fantastic entertainment, the Chanhassen Dinner Theater and Jersey Boys right now is on the main stage. I will also tell you, as long as we're talking music here with uh, Yachty this morning, is you know, they've got some great shows at the Chanhassen Dinner Theater concert series. They've been there many times. It's a beautiful room. The acoustics are wonderful. Uh, here right now, this month, they're doing all sorts of things. you got a Sting a tribute coming up. They have a Carpenter's tribute coming up. They have a lot of uh, holiday Christmas music coming up as well. And there's so much more. There's Stevie Ray's Comedy Cabaret. There's Brindisi's Pub. It's a really fun night out. Uh, so go to Chanhassen Dinner Theater, cd.com, and just find out what they have on the, on the, on the line and what you'd like to attend, because I think whatever you pick is going to be great. And again, I tell you that because I've been to many of these. ChanhassenDT.com. It's as simple as you can make it there. Just get out there and check out that website. Uh, 
Adi Ushaya is with us. He is a composer, as I mentioned, an arranger, a jazz pianist. He's worked with some of the best. And, and I know there's a great story behind this one as well, Adi. It's Aretha Franklin. Um, so you worked with her and arranged for her? Yeah. Um, Michael Baker is a, was, he passed away a few months ago, sadly. Um, was a drummer that grew up in here. He was actually... Uh, grew up in Duluth and um, very talented. He moved to L.A. He, li he lived uh, and worked in L.A. for many years. Um, at some point, he decided to come back to Minnesota, raise his family here. And around the same time, uh, he was promoted from a drummer for Whitney Houston to her musical director. And when he was... Her, when he became her musical director, he was looking for an arranger that can work with him locally instead of him hopping on a plane every time to L.A. With Whitney New Houston. York. Yeah. So uh, he called me in 1999, and I became kind of the remote <laughs> arranger, you know. <laughs> I would just sit and do the charts here in the basement, and he would take them to New York and all that. Um while this was going on, I haven't met Whitney at that time. and was just uh, doing everything from a distance. He calls me one day and he says, Hey, Adi, uh, Clive Davis called me and he's, he's doing uh, uh, 25th anniversary of Arista Records and he's going to have all his acts and stuff like this. And he calls me because he, he saw Whitney's show and he liked the way it, it goes. He says... Can you produce Aretha's segment? She's going to do a long medley and stuff, but uh, I, I want it to be a little different than what she usually does. So kind of take, take this under your wing. So he called me to do this arrangement. I'm going, whoa. <laughs> All right. So. Was it nerve wracking to work with giants like that? You know, yes, but I was so protected because. Michael was the, the buffer, and the worst that can happen, he would tell me, uh, he won't call me again. He, would, he wouldn't even tell me You're anything. Done. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, what can I do? I'll just, uh, I'll just do my best, and I write it. So she doesn't know my, uh, about me at all. I mean, he's producing, he's bringing the arrangements, so he probably he's the arranger. So, he, you know, we... Finished everything. He takes it to New York. And we're talking about paper because uh, this is before, sure. you know. He takes it to New York, passes the parts, and uh, the orchestra plays. And he calls me two days after the rehearsal. He says, guess what? He says, what? Aretha comes to me after the rehearsal and tells, tells me, I want my entire book to be rewritten like this. <laughs> and going, right. Oh, boy. So, so we started writing you know, you know, basically communicating and, and started writing this stuff. But but she kind of moved on to, to another thing and yeah. nothing happened with this. We didn't even get paid, you know, she moved on. Oh, wow. So. You're not the first one. This is, two thousand. yeah, this is year 2000. Yes. I mean, I know people that worked with other A-listers and then all of a sudden the the project is dead and okay. Yeah. I could say I worked with that. But you know, 
when we did the initial arrangement, we got paid really well because that was uh, Arista Records. So there was a little, at least something was established there. It was on TV and, and all that. Uh, I forgot all about this, but in 2003, I get a call from Michael and, she's, and, and he says that uh, he got a call um, that Aretha wants strings in, in a new song that she wrote and he sends me the track and um, we got on the phone with the a and uh, from Arista and and it was a period of time where I didn't really get the information. I would get kind of half information about, oh, write an arrangement. But, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. where is it for? What's the instrumentation? Who is, who is going to produce it? And he says, oh, probably send it to her musical director. Okay, so probably I'll send it to her musical director. <laughs> so I did the arrangement, and I'm trying to figure out where do I send it. Meanwhile, Mike, Michael moved to Italy. He was there. And I get a call from the same guy from Arista Records. He says, uh, Michael told me that you're writing the arrangement. I said, yeah. And he says, so what's going on with this? I said, well, I'm done. Where, where should I send it? He says, send it. You're supposed to come and produce a session. And, 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 and I'm talking next week. <laughs> and I'm going, oh, I didn't know that. So I'm calling Michael and I in Italy, and I said, you know, they want me to produce the session. He says, oh, yeah? I said, can you? <laughs> said, okay, let me make some calls. <laughs> so I called the contractor in New York, and he puts together, you know, a 37-piece orchestra at Hit Factory in New York. And the next thing I know is I go to New York to conduct that session. Wow. And uh, the session starts... Now, Aretha doesn't know I exist. She knows Michael exists, but he's in Italy. Mm-hmm. So he sets up a satellite from a studio in Rome, and she's in, in Detroit on the phone, and I'm with 37 musicians in <laughs> New, York. New York, and the, the contractor kind of went out of his way to get the best musicians. So I have Randy Brecker and, and Lou Soloff on trumpets and, you know, a whole bunch of great names. Yeah, loaded. Yeah. yeah, so right out of the gate, <laughs> she's on the phone. Oh, I want a different intro. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So you can see where it's going. Yeah. I mean, I basically went there like I went everywhere in those days. You know, I have the arrangement. I put it there. Let's Let's record it. But I didn't set myself up to changes. I didn't even have staff paper with me to, to make <laughs> inserts and stuff. You know, big sessions like this would have librarians that would copy stuff on the spot. So I'm dictating notes to them over, you know, they have to jot some notes and stuff. And yeah. and a whole bunch of stuff that she's, you know, requesting. Yeah, I'm hearing this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I'm changing the stuff as we go, <laughs> and and I'm trying to get to the end of the session somehow, and knowing that I'm so big time fired right now that it's not. <laughs> so somehow we get to the end of the session, and Joy from Arista Records says, "Oh, that that went pretty good." I said, <laughs> "Let me tell you something." If I go 
back tomorrow as planned, everything we did tonight is going to be tossed. You're not going to use anything. I said, what are you talking about? I said, you know the kind of mess that there is right now? It's like everything is inserts and, and lines that don't add up and stuff. So what should we do? I said, well, you can keep me for another day to do some edit session tomorrow and then, and then we'll put it in shape, you know? He says, can you stay another day? I said, <laughs> okay, I'll stay another day. So I go to the studio the next morning and we sit down and do the edit and Joey comes an hour later when things are already in better shape. He listens to it and says, oh, wow, this is great. Let me play it for her. So he takes the phone and... Over the phone. You know, and over the phone. <laughs> and then he leaves the room and we continue, finish the session. He comes back and says, Aretha asked if you can go to Detroit tomorrow to mix it with her. <laughs> and, and I said, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> and, you know, back then you had to take the materials. It wasn't something sure. that you can, you know, so I'm what taking... was that, 2004? 2003. Three. Yeah. Okay. So I get to Detroit. I get picked up from the airport, straight to the, to the studio, and it's me and three people. Wow. Um, the engineer, I forgot his name, and there was a producer by the name of Michael, I can't come up with his last name. He was producing uh, Anita Baker. Oh, sure. Uh, responsible for a lot of her hits. You, you'll, Not you'll Michael remember. Brecker. No. Uh, um, but he was kind of helping, keeping things in, in order and stuff. I'm just the arranger. So now she knows I, I did the arrangement. And when they called me, they called me to do an orchestral thing for her. They didn't specify strings. And I remember her road band. So I basically wrote it for her road band that had horns and everything. So we started the mix and I tell the engineer, okay, the first thing that you're going to hear after she starts singing is harp and right after that horns. And she goes, horns. I didn't order no horns. Turn off the horns. <laughs> so by the time he reaches to mute the horns, she hears the horns. She says, Hold on one second. <laughs> Give me more horns. I want <laughs> so the session goes like that. Oh wow. She turn she makes him turn everything way up. I barely hear her, <laughs> but I hear all the parts that I wrote, which is great, but it's not gonna make the record. And she yeah. We get to the end of the session. She says, "That's it. Don't change anything." Oh, and she wow. leaves the studio. And then we started mixing. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And then I get back home, and while on my way home from the airport, Joy from Arista Record calls me and says, "Oh, it went really well. Uh, Aretha really liked what you do. Can you do another song and beat?" in New York on Friday, we'll, we'll do strings only. So, so I did another song on that CD, and, and the next thing I know is that we are kind of on, all, on uh, um, speed dial. You know, she would call me, I would call her. One day she sent me a cassette of talking over how she wants that aria. She wanted to do a record with arias and how she wanted done. So I have a whole cassette of her wow. specifying what she yeah. likes and stuff. Crazy stuff. Wow. 
But you, but you developed a relationship after. Yeah, that. we had a we had a thing going for a couple of years. It was three years. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, that's, you know, one of the all time greats, obviously. But you worked with, uh, and we mentioned Whitney Houston. So did you get a chance to get to know Whitney? At oh all? yeah, with uh, Whitney, it was a long term because I started working with her in '99, and then uh, until until she passed, you know, I actually did some tours with her and. Um, I only met her for the first time in 2004 when I started playing in a band. And um, in 2010, I did the world tour with her, which um, was her last tour. Hmm. Did you arrange or just, did you play as well? I, I basically, mostly, not mostly, I was... I was recruited as an arranger mm -hmm. and the playing was to basically enhance some of the stuff that uh, didn't have orchestra and things like that. But uh, Was it demanding work? Was it fun work? How was it? It was a lot of things. It was, it was fun in some ways. It was uh, demanding because of the uh, last minute changes. Sure. Like uh, run very fast in this direction. Stop. Run the... <laughs> The opposite direction. Yeah. So you kind of you learn how to be uh, flexible and not to be too attached to the outcome. You know, it's going to be what it's going to be, and and it was good people to work with, and they appreciate good work. So yeah, a, a world tour is it's got to be strenuous. Were you glad when it ended? I mean, does that tear you out, or is it just kind of every night you get all revved up again? You know, it. I actually had mixed feelings about this because. Uh, I taught at Berkeley yeah. during that time, and I took a leave from Berkeley because big, big chunk of my time at Berkeley was when I was living here, so I was commuting to school. Wow! Yeah. So I took a leave to rest from flies from from flights for for one semester, and that's the semester where the world tour was happening. <laughs> So in the middle of that, I had to answer my boss at Berkeley if I'm coming back in September and the way I felt with the family being there and, and the fact that I'm just on planes all the time. I said, you know what, I think I'm going to not come back. McNally Smith offered me a gig, so I thought, okay, that's going to be... Yeah, here in town. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've done a lot of as an educator too. I should have mentioned that earlier, but uh, Audie's worked well in that department. Uh, and then, uh, gosh, I mean, there's a lot of names. I don't want to leave all of them out. There's there's too many to mention. Bert Bacharach was another mm -hmm. one, right? Yeah, same thing. Michael Michael produced a record for Karima Amar, which was um, Italian star Karima. Amar. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you know, for me, it's like when I left Europe in 2000, I I did not follow the Italian okay. uh, music uh, industry at all, and yeah, to me, all the new names. And I know you worked. Uh, I know a lot of people here that worked with uh, Georgia. It's another right, yeah. another uh, Italian artist and. Uh, yeah, and she was one of my favorite uh, back right. then in the day. So, and that's uh, basically the same uh, promoter or producer that uh, brought Karima later on. So, you know, uh, Bird Bacharach wrote, wrote some tunes for uh, for that record, and Michael produced it. And 
he wanted strings on on Honey's tunes, but he had time to write only one one arrangement. And he asked Michael if he knows somebody, and Michael brought me to these things. So once again, two weeks of great phone calls between Bert Bachrock and my and myself, and uh, it was fun. It was really good. Yeah, they say he was a nice guy. You know. He was nice to me. I don't yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it had to be, too. Yeah. Uh, is, you know, this is t- probably too, an unfair question, I suppose. But with, with your resume, with being an arranger, producer, writer, musician, working with the greats, are there certain songs that are your favorites that stand out? As if, if we were going to go listen to a song tonight, is there? Think about that for a minute. I'll take a break, and you can mull that mm-hmm. over. Adi, because there's so much music that you've written and done, and I'm just curious what you would choose to go to at a concert and listen to. He is Adi Yeshaya. He is our guest here. He is a super talent, and right here at part of the Minneapolis, uh, the Minnesota music scene. Uh, we have a phenomenal history in this state and in, in these uh, Twin Cities and beyond, and, and so we like to explore that here on My First Concert. Great to have you with. Uh, great to have Starbank.net with us. They're one of our great sponsors. In fact, at Talk North, uh, our bank is Star Bank. So when we talk about their turnaround time and alone, uh, we know what we're talking about. It's second to none. There's no red tape or any monkey business. Once you apply for that loan, submit the documentation, away you go. A home equity line of credit, the home mortgage, there's a million things, business loan, uh, maybe you're looking for a- equipment loan or ag equipment, which is how they started this whole business. Uh, this family is still running uh, Star Bank, and they started out with a bank in rural Minnesota, and they've gone on to expand right here into the Twin Cities, and they're still running these banks the way that you would like. So when you go in, you'll get to know the people that work there. When you call, they'll answer the phone. They love to get to know you. You say, well, I want to do it on my phone or my computer. No problem. they got all the high-tech stuff, too. It's just kind of neat that you can go there and get to know the people and call them, and then they pick up the phone and talk to you. They don't put you on hold. It's, it's really how banking should be. Plus, they're really good at what they do. They handle it all. I would call your local Star Bank branch today. And just stop in at your convenience if you can. Uh, loans are subject to a loan application approval. It's starbank.net on the web if you want to check that out. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. Adi Yashaya is nice enough to join us here today on my first concert. Dave and Davide here hanging out with uh, this super talent. And this this got to be a difficult question, I would think. But if you were to listen to just a few songs... what? Well, and, and we were at your place, and you, we were sitting in the backyard, and you turned on the stereo. What what would we listen to? There's so many great songs out there. Yeah. You know, I I would look for a song that has good lyrics, you know, because these are hard to come by these days. But I can just uh, throw something. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a fair to be among your favorites. I would never yeah, I mean, have you isolate one. But. The one that comes to mind that has great, great lyrics is uh, You Are There by Dave Frisch, Frischberg. Yeah. Check it out. It's, it's mm-hmm. Are you performing still? Oh, yeah. Can we see you at the Dakota or yes, elsewhere? absolutely. So yes. when's the next show coming up? Well, the last one was Friday. So <laughs> yeah. um, I also put my big band back together and uh, Jennifer Graham is singing. So, oh, yeah. So, so hopefully we're going to be back at Crooners next and Dakota after. So I don't have a specific date, but we're looking at some dates in January. Yeah. Do you do you have a website people can go to? I do. It's, it's very, very basic. But mm-hmm. yes, uh, I think um, 
Yeah, Facebook is more information than my website as far as the Okay, so if they go to Facebook, they w- yeah. they just look you up, is that it? Yeah. Okay. Well, congrats on everything. I mean, oh, thank you. starting off with that accordion and then you just go on <laughs> to kind of conquer the world, but when you got people like Whitney and Aretha and and uh, Prince uh, uh, asking for you, that's that's quite impressive, but uh, you have this great humility and humbleness, and I really appreciate you stopping by and joining Davide and I on, on the podcast today, and, and continued success, too. Thank you so much. He's one of the one of the greats, Davide. Yes. yes. Uh, um, you guys. Adi and I met at, at the, an event that we actually were putting together uh, for Paul Peterson, I think it was a music on the run uh, event, and uh, you were playing piano, and Paul's sister was singing yeah. in the, on that event, and I was recording and sending that signal to the main um, feed, I guess, that we were taking for. Yeah, the great Patty Peterson. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So... That's how we met, but then we <laughs> we see each other here at, at Creation Alley mm-hmm. every now and then. So yeah. that's how we kind of hit it off. <laughs> Adi Yeshaya, check out his Facebook page when you get an opportunity. And then, of course, you can also link up to us at uh, TalkNorth.com, at Apple, at Spotify. It's called My First Concert with Dave Lee. We welcome you to, to uh, subscribe to it and just download it so you get it every week. But the guests have been terrific, and today's another great example of that. All brought to you by the Minnesota Propane Association, by Aquarius Home Services, in the AquariusHomeServices.com studios, by UCARE, by the Chanhassen Dinner Theaters, and by StarBank.net. We'll see you next week on My First Concert.